Good evening. My name is Pastor Aaron. I'm the senior pastor here at Faith Baptist Church of Palm Bay. We're so excited to have you with us tonight for this special evening with Steve Pettit Ministries. Uh, we're looking forward to a wonderful concert tonight. Just a couple of announcements before I turn it over to them. Uh, first of all, um, again, if you have kids in Awana and you're coming over here from them, just don't forget to pick them up when we're done here tonight. And uh, also, um, this is a ministry, Steve Pettit Ministries, and uh, if you'd like to uh, donate to their ministry, uh, we do have a fun set up on our online giving on our website, uh, Pettit Love Offering is the title of it, and uh, if you'd like to give to their ministry, uh, we encourage you to do that. We're looking forward to uh, just enjoying some good music tonight. How many, who are our bluegrass fans out here tonight? Oh, we got a lot. All right. We have a friendly crowd tonight, so we're looking forward to the time. I'm going to go ahead and open it in prayer, and then we'll turn it over to the team. All right? Pray with me. Lord, we thank you so much for this time together. We thank you for the gift of music and the opportunity to enjoy it together tonight. Bless our evening. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you, uh, Pastor Aaron. Uh, we are so delighted uh, to be here in Palm Bay, Florida. By the way, everybody should be happy to be in Florida in February. Amen? And uh, I've had a wonderful dinner tonight with your pastor and his wife. Uh, I was the president of Bob Jones University for nine years, and they were students under my, my tenure. And so anything you want to know about him, just let me know, okay? But uh, he is a whole lot better than the former pastor you had, just to let you know. So... Uh, anyway, we're just delighted to be here tonight. We'll introduce ourselves throughout the evening, but we are a full-fledged ministry team traveling to churches, doing uh, services and concerts, events and conferences. So tonight is a concert, and it is a, it is a combination of both gospel and traditional bluegrass. I'm sorry if you came to hear classical music, you got it wrong, it's grassical music. And so uh, we're going to enjoy ourselves tonight. And we're going to sing to bring honor and glory to our Lord. So we want to kick it off tonight with a great old hymn, All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name.
All right, thank you. Thank you very much. Hey, we, we, we appreciate your enthusiasm. Uh, this is a concert, so applause is both approved and appreciated. And uh, if you don't applaud, then we'll just play crummy and, and you won't enjoy that. No, we're just kidding. Uh, we're so happy to be able to sing about the Lord. Uh, I figured if, if Taylor Swift can fill a football stadium, we should be able to fill a Baptist church. That we can sing about the Lord and lift up his name and how wonderful and how good God is. And so we'd like to do a song that sings about the immortality of God, that he is eternal and ever-living, is called Immortal, Invisible God.
Well, when you, when you become a, a believer, a Christian, one who has trusted in Jesus Christ for your personal salvation, God forgives you of all of your sins, all of your past sins, all of your present sins, and all of your future sins. God's mercy and grace covers it all. But once you become a believer, that doesn't mean you stop sinning. You could say you're a saved sinner, or you could say you're saved sinner, however you want to look at it. Because for all of us, we have ups and downs in our life. There are times that we do well. There are times that we struggle. There are times that we're up and down. We battle with our emotions. We, we don't know if we're close to the Lord. We're not always sure. And so we have to realize that what God began in your life, God's going to finish. Just recently, I attended uh, a meeting with some friends of mine that I went to college with. College, that was a long time ago. I graduated from college 46 years ago. I know I don't look that old, but that was how long ago it was. <laughs> and uh, what I was amazed was to see that they are still living for the Lord and God's still working in their life. And we'd like to sing a song that was written by this young man here. It's about God's work in our life called He's Not Done.
victory we keep marching on held fast by our savior the strong cornerstone and we don't lose heart because he's not done and when he ascended he said tell of me that i rescue sinners and i give them peace so we march on not done. take a couple of moments if I could to introduce the group here. We are a full-time evangelistic ministry and we're traveling. We've been traveling uh, ever since last August and uh, we uh, have been down here in Florida since the 14th of February and today is our last day in Florida. We're going to go back to the frigid cold of South Carolina tomorrow. So uh, we, we've really enjoyed our time here and uh, we, we have a very close-knit group and uh, let me introduce our banjo player. This is Mr. Jack Ritter from the state of North Carolina. So glad to have Jack with us. And uh, Jack, started playing, Jack started playing the banjo at 13 years old, and he also play, started playing football, and he played small college football up in the state of Virginia. So we're glad to have him. And then we'd like to introduce these two young ladies here. First of all, this is Miss Kirsten Curling, who sings soprano, and she is from the state of Texas. So glad to have Kirsten with us. And then this is Miss Brindley Kelly from the state of Michigan, and she sings alto. So thankful to have Brindley with us. <laughs> Anybody here from the state of Michigan? Okay, all right, we have a few of you here. And then playing our bass here is Mr. Luke Bomar from the state of South Carolina. So glad to have Luke with us. And. Uh, Luke finished high school just last year, so he's taken a year off of high school, going to go to college and study the bass, and so we're so glad to have him, and a uh, great thing about uh, Luke is he definitely gets into the music, and the uh, fact is, if, if I move my body like he does, my back would be out of place at this age, and so, so glad to have Luke. Playing the fiddle is Miss Savannah Lacey from the state of Idaho, and so glad to have Savannah with us. And uh, she grew up in a pastor's home, grew up playing the violin, uh, but she didn't grow up playing the fiddle. She grew up playing classical music. She went to Bob Jones University. She, she was a violin performance major. She was first chair, first violin. She was the concert master in the university symphony. We're so glad that she has stepped up and gone from classical to grassical. So glad to have her. And. Uh, she has learned how to play the fiddle. You say, what's the difference between a violin and a fiddle? Where a violin, uh, the, the neck of the violin is made out of maple wood. So it's maple wood. 
and the uh, the neck of a uh, fiddle is actually not maple wood; it's a redneck, and so that <laughs> that helps you understand what it is. And then playing our guitar is Mr. Carson Aaron from the state of Arkansas, and so glad to have Carson with us. And uh, Carson started playing bluegrass when he was five years old and uh, played in his dad's bluegrass band, played the upright bass at five years old. And as he would say, if he was going to fall over, his dad would catch him and push him back up. And so uh, he is both, he is both a, 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 a musician, but he's also a songwriter. And many of the songs that we are singing tonight are songs that he has written, the last one, of course, he did. And so we're so glad to have him. And by the way, uh, the, we travel together in a van, and of course, when you sit in the van long enough, you have a bunch of singles sitting together. They're going to kind of ask basic questions of life, like, is there anybody in this van for me? And uh, you sit there long enough, it's either yes or no. And so, in this case, it's yes. They're getting married this summer and got engaged at Thanksgiving. So, so glad for that. Well, we want, we want Brother Jack over here to sing a song uh, this, this evening. And this is about the assurance of salvation that we have as believers called Be Assured.
like to uh, do a song that is the title song for a CD that we just produced uh, back in the 1st of January, be coming out next month in March. And uh, the song is entitled Unite My Heart. And it, it's really a, a, the prayer of, of a believer, a Christian, who understands the struggle that we have in living our, our life of faith. You know, someone has said that the Christian life is not hard. It's not difficult. It's impossible to live. And you soon realize that what Jesus said, by experience you learn, is true he said, without me, you can do nothing. And so we have to pray for our hearts that God will draw me back as I tend to drift away. And this is the title song of our recording entitled, Unite My Heart.
Well, we're going to ask uh, Kirsten come and uh, this, sing this next song, and uh, it really talks about uh, the sweetness that it is to follow the Lord. And uh, when, we, when you come to Christ and you accept Him as your personal Savior, your Lord and Savior, and you know you're forgiven, then you begin to grow. One of the things you learn in growing is you growing in the Lord is learning to surrender to the Lord, to yield your life to Him, to let Him have the things in your life. And what does God want in your life? Well, God wants everything. I remember reading years ago as a young Christian that was a little booklet that said, My Heart, Christ's Home. And it's the idea that Jesus comes into your heart like he, into your home like he comes in, when he comes into your heart. And then your house is, is filled with different rooms, the kitchen, the living room, you know, the bedroom, the den, and so forth. And that the Lord goes through every room in your house and he says, I want this room and I want that room and I want that room. And, and we give the Lord a lot of things, but we say, Lord, you can't have that room. And it's a conflict in our desires. We feel like if I keep that, I'll be happier. And we learn that surrender and saying, Lord, you can have this. And when we do, we begin to experience a new, fresh joy and a new, fresh power in our life. And so Kirsten's going to sing about that in the song entitled So Sweet. Just to trust you, Lord. 
play a couple of we can play a few bluegrass traditional bluegrass tunes for you and uh, whenever you learn to play bluegrass you probably learn playing in a what we call a jam session where you sit around a room and a guy picks out a song and you start playing those songs and you just learn them you learn it by doing and uh, so just like you learn to play classical music you learn Beethoven and Bach well in bluegrass you learn Bill Monroe and so we'd like to uh, play a Bill Monroe a tune that you would typically play in a bluegrass jam session. And of course, as you learn to play, you learn to play the basic melody, and then you learn a little to improvise it and kind of fancy it up a little bit. And so we're going to try to do our very best tonight, and the, and the goal is to pick it clean and to pick it fast. So let's some coffee. No, I don't need it. No. <laughs> you need the coffee there, Jack. All right. Jack actually thinks he's funny. He's not really funny. <laughs> but you know, ban banjo players, just to let you know, banjo players are very unique creations of the Lord, just to let you know that. Very unique. I used to think that the greatest problem in the world is global warming, but it's actually banjo tuning. If you really want to know the world's greatest problem, so Jack, kick it off for us. <laughs> Thank you. 
good. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks, Luke. That was great. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Uh, let's see. Let's do, uh, we're going to sing a song. Now, bluegrass is interesting music because generally it's happy music. You know, that's why we call it picking and grinning. The reason why, why you grin when you people play it is because it's got, a, it's got a ton of syncopation in it that you probably don't even realize what's going on. But that's what makes you really, really happy. Uh, but but it, it's, it's happy music, but it doesn't mean that all the words are happy. And uh, sometimes uh, it's a guy's life that's falling apart, and they still sing it in a happy way. And so uh, we're going to do a traditional. Let's do a uh, big spike hammer. We're going to do this one. This is a traditional song about a guy who's trying to make, uh, I think it's his wife, but he's trying to make her happy, but it ain't working. <laughs> so it's called Big Spike Hammer. Thank you. 
Well, that's called bluegrass, folks. That's about as bluegrass as you're going to get it. We're going to we're going to do one more traditional tune, and uh, uh, a lot of bluegrass songs are about trains. Uh, not sure why it should be about planes, not trains, but that's kind of the songs that they sing, because they sing about life, what goes on in life, and so. Uh, this is one about a train that runs along the borderline of Kentucky. It's called Kentucky Borderline. <clears throat>
right. Uh, I'm going to ask, as we, uh, as we do some more uh, gospel songs, I'm going to ask uh, Carson, because our time is a little short, let's keep it a little shorter. Uh, <laughs> um, yes, sir. We played more songs. Uh, I, wanna, I want him to share a little bit about his personal surrender in his life and then how this song came out of that. All right, so I'm going to talk really fast. You guys, you ready? I'm just kidding. I'm from Arkansas. I don't think I can. So, um, but I grew up in Arkansas, like Dr. Pettit said. I grew up playing in, um, in a bluegrass group that I joined, my dad's bluegrass group, when I was five years old. Played all through high school, loved it. All I ever wanted to do was music. And um, everything all right over there? All right, good. And uh, so when I got, I turned 18, I had no idea what I was going to do. Nobody in my family before me had gone to college. And um, thought of going to college was terrifying. And I got, a, I got a phone call one day from a guy who we had met through some mutual connections. He worked in the entertainment industry. And he said, we've listened to some of your stuff online, some of your singing. And um, I don't think I'd been writing at that point, but some of your singing and, and songs. And we thought that you might do well as a country music singer. So he said, How, would you be interested in signing a contract with us to become a country music singer? And I looked it over, and I thought about it, and I talked to my parents, and I prayed about it. And these guys were Christian guys. They said they weren't going to make me do anything I didn't want to do. And um, I signed the contract. And for about 18 months, that was, that was my focus. I wanted to make that a success. And as I looked around me at the other people working with me, I noticed that they all had their head down working as hard as they could to try to make it big. And I looked at them all, and I thought, that seems like, like a waste of your whole life because they, they were completely missing out on everything around them. But I knew that if you wanted to make it big, you pretty much have to do that. So the option lay in front of me. Do I give my whole life to this? Or do I do something else? At least those were, that's what seemed like the two options in front of me at the time. So I started praying, and I said, Lord, I don't know why I'm struggling with this, because a lot of these guys just throw themselves into it wholeheartedly, and they give their whole life to it. And um, I just couldn't bring myself to do it. And what the Lord taught me over, over the next few months was that the only thing worth giving your whole life to is the Lord Jesus Christ. And that can be true of anything in any of our lives. We give our whole life to all sorts of stuff. But the Lord taught me just the value and the, the joy in serving the Lord and surrendering it all to him. So I called my guys. I said, I don't think I can do this. And they said, um, you know what? We, kinda, we were kind of picking up on that. We could tell that you're, you weren't all in on it. And they said, here's what we're going to do. We'll give you all the money you've earned. And if you ever want to do country music again, give us a call. And so I had no idea what I was going to do after that. Um, I had, had a little bit of money. And basically, the Lord uh, opened up an opportunity for me to work at a Bible camp. Went and worked there, and God just really showed me the value of the gospel and of Christ. And, um, and while I was there, I got an Instagram message from a guy who said, um, I'm Steve Pettit. I'm the president of Bob Jones University. We have a little bluegrass group. If you're ever interested in going to college, you can maybe be a part of it. I said, okay, Lord, I guess I'm going to college. <laughs> so I went to college. I just graduated this past May. 
Um, God did amazing things there. But over all my time at school, I could not learn to, I could not write any more songs. I'd been kind of burned out from trying to do it for the country music thing. And this past May, um, a little bit maybe June, I was sitting there praying and asking the Lord to write a song again and to do it for him. And my Bible was open, and God gave me a song from that passage, Psalm 136, and then just started giving me all sorts of songs. And so I can only give him credit. But what I've learned from that is that God uses us most when we surrender our gifts and talents. We give them all to the Lord, and then it's amazing to see what he does with them. So this next song came out of that. It's a song from Exodus 34, which if you're familiar with that passage, Moses is walking back up Mount Sinai for the second time after the children of Israel had sinned. And the clouds were thick, and there was lightning and thunder, and the command from the Lord that not even the, the livestock should touch the mountain or they would die. And I don't know about you, but if I were Moses, I would have been terrified. And walking up there, especially after the children of Israel had just sinned, he's expecting to hear a message of wrath and judgment. And he gets to the top, and it said, God's glory passed before him. He said, I am the Lord, the Lord, merciful and gracious, abounding in steadfast love. So the message is the same for us, and that's what this song says, that um, we need mercy because we stand in front of a mountain just like that, a terrifying God, a just God who will punish us for our sins. But we are in need of mercy, and praise the Lord, he's a God of mercy, and he made a way for us. Listen to this song, What Mercy Means. Just what mercy means. 
stand in need of mercy under Calvary's tree and wonder that such mercy could be given to me. And though my hands are empty and my heart is full of pride, on the cross both love and justice were completely satisfied. Said I am merciful and gracious and full of love toward thee, the giver of all good things to those who call on me. I am still the God of justice and the guilty won't go free. Watch and I will show you just what mercy means. Watch and I will show you just what mercy means. Kirsten to come and sing this song. This is really a, a beautiful, a beautiful tune, and uh, it's it's a song that many of you will recognize in part in the song, and it really speaks about God's faithfulness to us, God's goodness to us. You know, when we look over the course of our life and we look at at how we are live our life, and 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 we have all kinds of issues we have to face, so many different things. And uh, sometimes it, it's like a steady plane. Sometimes it's like a roller coaster. Uh, I just a little bit of my background. I'm, I'm my wife and I are married. Of course, we've been married for 44 years. Uh, this summer, uh, we have four children, and most importantly, we have five grandchildren. And uh, grandchildren are God's gifts for having to raise your children. And um, I'm so thankful for uh, not just the faithfulness of my wife. But the faithfulness of God to my wife. My wife has had cancer three times. All three of them that could take her life. Uh, earlier on when she had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, she had to go through chemotherapy treatments. And because of that, over the course of the year, it's damaged her, her liver. And so she has cirrhosis of the liver now. And, and yet in all of that, there is an underlying joy in the Lord the confidence in God's control, and that the Lord is always faithful. And we'd like to sing that song entitled, Always Faithful.
Since the Lord is faithful, uh, then he says we can cast all our care on him because he cares for us. There's not a burden in your life. There's not a worry in your mind that you can't bring to the Lord. And God has taught us. I was working through a passage of scripture with the group just like last week. And how do you balance your emotions? Rejoice always. Pray about everything. And in everything, give thanks. And so we want to do a song uh, that's, a, that's a quick one. It's called Casting All Your Care on Him. Turns into a dead end rock. 
In just a moment, we're going to take a few minutes to look into God's Word tonight, and then we'll cl close out the service in just a little bit. Uh, but we'd like to do uh, one more song before uh, we look into God's Word tonight. <clears throat> and this is an old hymn that, uh, that, that if you've gone to church, you'll recognize. And it's an invitation to us to come to the Lord for salvation. Salvation is God's free gift, bought and paid for, through the life and the death of Jesus on the cross. And on, his, on the cross where Jesus died, he paid in full the cost of all of our sins so that God could now justly forgive us and righteously forgive us because all of our sins are paid for in and through Jesus Christ. And yet we have to come to the Lord. You cannot be saved if you do not choose to come to Christ. It's a decision of your will. God never circumvents the human will. He goes through the gate of the will. He says, believe on the Lord Jesus and thou shalt be saved. And so I want you to listen carefully to the words of this song. And, and the, the tune itself is very powerful because you can feel the tension of somebody making a decision to come to Christ. The song is entitled, Come Ye Sinners.
right, thank you very much. Let's pray together. Lord, we are so thankful tonight for the privilege that we have to sing and to worship and to lift you up. Lord, we, we love you because you love us. We, Lord, realize that it was your will to come to the earth, your will to choose to love us, your will to die. And we thank you, Lord, for your blessed and most precious promises. And so, Lord, bless the few moments we have together. And uh, thank you for this church and bless it as they continue to be a lighthouse here in the greater Melbourne area. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I think you would agree with me tonight that we live in a world of distractions. Distractions. Every day of our life, we're constantly distracted by all kinds of things that come our way that are constantly vying after our thoughts, our emotions, our time, our energy, our money, even our worries and anxieties. And it seems like there's, it never ends. So through technology now, you have, of course, you can communicate by, you have television, you have cable, you have internet, you have cell phones, you have texting. Uh, then, of course, that's not enough, so you have Instagram, and you have Facebook, and you have YouTube, and you have Twitter, and, of course, that's not enough, so now you have Amazon Prime, and you have Netflix, and you have Paramount, and you have uh, MGM Plus, and Paramount Plus, and Plus, and Plus, and Plus, and Plus, and we are living in a world that is constantly seeking to both attract you and to distract you. Well, it is into this world Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has come. And I want to read to you tonight from John chapter 12, verses 32 and 33, where Jesus says he is the greatest attraction on earth. Listen to these words. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This he said, signifying what death he should die. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. What does it mean to draw somebody? Well, in this case, in the Bible, it actually means to drag you. It's actually something that happens in your heart where you would not normally come to God, but because of God's working in your heart, you come to him. You see, the Bible is very clear. Nobody seeks after God. Nobody here naturally wants to know God. The natural man doesn't receive the things of the Spirit of God. We don't normally run to God. We run from God. And yet Jesus said, I'm going to draw people. I'm going to work in their heart. I'm going to work in your heart personally. God worked in my heart personally. When I first came to understand the good news, the gospel, I was a 17-year-old public high school teenager living in Columbia, South Carolina, growing up in church, but I didn't know how to get into heaven until somebody asked me the question, if you died today, do you know you would go to heaven? And I said, no, and he explained the gospel. And for the first time in my life, I came to understand how to go to heaven because the Bible tells us that we're sinners, and I knew that at 17, but he began to explain how because of my sin, I was under God's judgment. And that Jesus Christ came to take God's judgment on himself to die for us so that our sins could be taken away so that we could actually enter into heaven. 
And for two years, God worked in my heart. I went off to college in Charleston, South Carolina, at a military school called the Citadel. When I got to school, of course, it was a rude awakening to life. Let me tell you something. I tried out for the varsity soccer team. I made the team. I was a walk-on athlete. And there was one freshman on the team that was a scholarship player, and he became my best friend. We roomed together, traveled together. He and I were the only two freshmen on the team. His name was Maxie Birch from Beaufort, South Carolina. And Maxie was a born-again Bible-believing Christian. He'd become a Christian his senior year of high school. And as we would walk to the soccer stadium to practice and come back home, in between in those walks, he would just simply talk to me about the Lord. And he would say things like, Pettit, you need to get saved. And I knew it. I said, I know, I know. I'm not ready yet. I kept putting it off. I'm not ready yet. And folks, it's not human nature to want to come to Christ. When people say, I'm not ready yet, I say, what do you mean you're not ready yet? What do you mean you're not ready? You know why you're not ready? Because your human heart doesn't want the Lord. God has to do a work in your heart. But God works in your heart personally. And God works in your heart powerfully. And here's how God works. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. What does he mean when he says lifted up? Is he talking about being lifted up on a billboard? Is he talking about being lifted up so everybody can hear about him? Is it about a message? Is it about a sermon? No, it's actually about something else. Notice what he says in the next verse. He says, this he said signifying what death he should die. The lifting up of Jesus is referring to the way he died. Now, how did Jesus die? Back in biblical times, you could die all kinds of ways. You could be beheaded. You could be stoned. You could be hung. But in this case, we know how Jesus died. He was lifted up on a cross. Jesus is saying, I draw men unto me in the most unusual way. You see, God's ways are not our ways. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. God doesn't think like us. God doesn't act like us. God draws people to God through a man being crucified on a cross. Now, it's hard for us to maybe grasp that because we don't ever see anybody crucified on a cross. Because that was outlawed almost 2,000 years ago. To die on a cross was the worst form of death known to mankind. It was bloody. It was brutal. It was bone-breaking. It was intended to make people suffer. And Jesus was hung on a cross as a criminal. He was dying a death penalty. You say, what, what kind of crime did he commit? Well, he committed two crimes, according to the people that day, to the Jews he claimed to be the Son of God. The crime was blasphemy. To the Romans, he claimed to be a king. The crime, treason. Jesus was nailed to a cross because according to the Jews and according to the Romans, he broke the law and he should die a death penalty. But we know Jesus committed no crime because he was the Son of God. And he is the king of kings. So why did he die a death penalty? So brutal, he died a death penalty for you. And what is it about the, what is it about the cross that makes it so attractive? We could stand here for a long time and talk about it. 
but I want to bring one thing out tonight. And there's lots of things I could say. But that one thing tonight is this, that the cross is an attraction because it demonstrates God's love for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God commendeth his love to us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Friend, let me tell you something. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. Why did he do that? He did that because he loves you individually, not generally. Jesus, the, John wrote, we love him because he first what? Loved us. That's individual. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. It was a demonstration of his love. The great apostle Paul, who wrote one half of the New Testament, never got over it. He said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He never got over the fact that God loved him. He said, the love of Christ constrains me. Literally, it means it drags me everywhere I go. I am hemmed in by God's love. God loves me, and therefore, I want to serve him. Do you realize that tonight, my friend? Do you realize that tonight, teenager? Do you realize that tonight, young adult? That Jesus Christ is the demonstration of God's love for you. Probably the greatest story in the Bible, I think, that illustrates this in such a way that makes us really feel it, is a story of an old man and his son. The old man, his name was Abraham. Do you know the story of Abraham? Abraham's the father of the Jews. He lived 2,000 years before Jesus was even born. He was living in a city called Ur of the Chaldees. That's Iraq. And God came to him and spoke to him and said, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to bless your family. That's the Jewish family, by the way. I'm going to bless you and your family and your family is going to be a blessing to the whole earth. Now, I don't know how much Abraham grasped what the blessing was. But we know what the blessing is because we read it in the Bible. And that blessing is that through the lineage of Abraham came a son named Jesus, who was the son of God who came into the world so that we could be saved from our sins. How would you like it that your son is the one by which everybody's saved? That was the blessing. But wait a minute. Abraham's got a problem. He's 70 his wife's 60, and they don't have any kids. And folks, let me ask you a question. What's the chances of you having a baby at 60? I'd say it's slightly slim, don't you think? But God said, you're going to have a baby. So they waited 14 years. Abraham's now 84. His wife is 74. And guess what? No baby. Well, no duh. And just like many of us do when God gives us a promise and we don't see the answer, we come up with plan B. You know what plan B was? It's called a slave named Hagar, a handmaid. And Abraham had a baby boy through Hagar. Do you know what his name is? Ishmael. 
You know what God said to Abraham after Ishmael was born? God said, it shows you the kindness of God. God said, Abraham, I'm going to bless your son Ishmael because he's your son. So I'm going to bless him. But I want you to know that's not the son that I promised you. I promised you a son through that woman right there, Sarah. And so he had to wait 16 more years. Abraham's now 100. His wife is now 90. And God said, now is the perfect time to have a baby. You know why? Because it'll be really clear that God did it. And at 90 years old, that dear lady got pregnant. I mean, come on. What's she going to look like walking around town? It's not weight gain, folks. This is a baby gain. And she gave birth to a little baby boy, and his name was Isaac. You know what Isaac means? It means laugh. Folks, what else are you going to do at 90 when you have a baby? Now, let me ask you a question. If a lady in Palm Bay, Florida, at 90 years old, has a baby, you think anybody might find out about it? You think think it might make uh, the Internet, Fox News, CNN? Man, the whole world would know about it. And I believe people in that day knew the fact that this dear lady had a baby. And God said, that's the son of my promise. Now, you know what the Bible says? Something very interesting about Abraham. Because God said this. He said in Genesis chapter 22, he said, I want you to take your son Isaac. And by the way, this is a fast forwarding of about 27 years. Abraham's almost 130. Isaac's almost 30. And God says, I want, to ta- I want you to take, and he says two things. I want you to take your only son. And that word only is translated only begotten. I mean, it means unique, special, one of a kind, not another like him. And then he said, whom you love. That's the son of your heart. That's the son of your affection. That is the son that you have built your life around. I want you to take your son and offer him as a sacrifice. Now, what do you think Abraham would have done? I don't know what I would have done. I think I would have argued with God. But he didn't argue with God because he had already learned why argue with God. God's going to do what he said. And so he got on the back of a donkey with his son, and they rode for three days from Hebron up to a mountain that God had chosen called Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah, ladies and gentlemen, is the, is the hill on which the city of Jerusalem is built right now. And God said, I want you to take your son up there and offer him as a sacrifice. Now, three days riding on the back of a donkey, what do you think they did? I don't know how much they talked. You know, sometimes dad and lad can be together and not talk a lot. They just like being with each other. But I know this, that by the time he got to the foot of that mountain, he had already reasoned in his his head and his heart that if he takes his son's life, which he was committed to do, and God is going to bless his son, and through his son is going to come a blessing to the earth, he had already concluded that God was going to raise him from the dead. And he got to the mountain, and he concluded something else, that by faith he believed that God would provide a sacrifice. Because his son said, Dad, here's the wood, here's the fire, where's the sacrifice? And what did he say? He said, the Lord himself will provide a sacrifice, Jehovah Jireh. 
They went to the mountain. They built the altar. He laid his son down. He took the knife ready to take his life. He was going to do it, and God stopped him. And God saw that he was obedient and called in the thicket was a ram. And he said, there's your sacrifice. And he took that substitute ram for his son, offered as a, as a sacrifice on the altar. And God gave that story for us to think and feel because what Abraham was willing to do, God did do. God gave his son, Jesus Christ, to be a sacrifice. He was our ram, our substitute, sacrificed in our place so that you and I could be forgiven of our sins and God raised his son from the dead. And here's what the Bible says. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Now let me finish with this. What does that mean? It means you, sir, and you, ma'am, need to make a personal decision to receive Jesus as your Savior. That's called belief. It's called faith. It's trust. And in your heart, you can do one of two things. You could say yes or no. When Jesus died on the cross, on either side of him were thieves. Both thieves were unbelievers. Both thieves were dying for the same crime. We all have to pay for our sins. Nobody here is above anybody else. The difference is the way they responded. One thief rejected Jesus, and one thief on the cross received Jesus. In fact, as he prayed this prayer to Jesus, he said, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. He, made, he prayed. He made a decision. He trusted the Lord Jesus. He said, Jesus saved me. Jesus promised he would save him. And that day he died. That day he died. And guess who was the first person in heaven with Jesus? It wasn't a prophet. It wasn't a priest. It wasn't a king. It was a thief. Now, let me say, if, the, if a thief can get in, you can get in. If you're willing to believe in and trust in and take Jesus as your personal Savior. How do you do that? Your heart's like a door. Jesus knocks on the door, and he says, can I come in? And you have to open up the door. Have you ever had somebody open up the door and let you into their house? That's what it means to receive Jesus. If you have never received Jesus, today is the day. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? How many of you could say with your heads bowed and eyes closed, Preacher, if I died tonight, I want you to know that I, in my heart, I know I'm going to heaven. I know I'm going to heaven. By God's grace, not by anything I've done, but by God's grace, I believe if I died tonight, I'd go to heaven. If you could say that tonight, would you lift your hand, hold it up? God bless you. God bless you. You may put your hands down. Now, tonight, perhaps you did not raise your hand, and I appreciate you being honest, but you know tonight what you need to do to be saved. And you know you need to make a decision. And right now, sitting in your seat, you can ask Jesus to save you. I'm going to pray a prayer out loud. And it's just a simple prayer to ask Jesus to be your Savior. It's a prayer of faith. And I'm going to invite you from your heart, sincerely, to pray with me this prayer to be saved. If you've never been saved, pray with me this prayer. Dear Jesus, I confess to you tonight that I'm a sinner and I want to be saved. Lord, I know I can't save myself, but tonight I believe Jesus died for me, for all of my sins, and rose from the dead. 
And tonight I accept Jesus as my personal Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me on a cross. And I thank you for loving me. Now with our heads bowed and eyes closed, did you pray that prayer tonight? If you did, in a minute, I'm going to ask you to just simply lift your hand to acknowledge that you did that. I'm going to tell you why I'm going to ask you to do that. Number one, uh, in heaven, they rejoice over sinners that repent. We want to rejoice, but we don't know what you did in your heart. And secondly, it's important for you to begin to acknowledge that you have believed. It's a confession. It's an acknowledgement. It's it's telling people, I am a believer. I'm trusting Jesus. So tonight, would you, would you uh, allow us to rejoice by just simply doing this? Preacher, tonight I prayed and asked Jesus to be my Savior. Would you acknowledge that tonight by just lifting your hand? Anyone like that tonight? Preacher, I prayed and asked Jesus to save me. God bless you. Thank you. Preacher, I prayed tonight, asked the Lord in my heart. I, I did pray tonight. Anyone else tonight? Anyone else? God bless you, young person. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Okay, thank you. God bless you. Lord, you're so good. You're merciful to a thousand generations that you will forgive iniquities and transgressions and sins. And thank you, Lord, tonight for allowing us to be in the house of God to sing, to sing about you. And we thank you for this church and this dear pastor. And I pray that you'll bless now the conclusion of our service in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to sing one more song, and then I'm going to turn it over to your pastor. I'm going to ask the group to come back. Let's do uh, There's a Fountain. I haven't said too much about our ministry. We have a table out in the lobby of your church uh, that, that has uh, some merchandise there on the table. Uh, I have written eight books. Uh, over the last 10 years that were written for small groups, Sunday school classes, home groups, discipleship groups. It's studying through various passages of Scripture in an expositional style. That's verse by verse and in a thematic way. For example, this is Walking in the Spirit, a study in the book of Galatians. This is called Encountering God, a study in the book of Psalms. And so this is, this is a little deeper, but it really helps you to grow and understand Scripture if you're interested, the group will be there afterwards. Uh, we also have on the table a prayer card. We'd love for you to take and pray for us. We really mean that sincerely. We want people's prayers. We believe God is answering prayer. We, there are people that are being saved that we believe is direct answer to prayer. So if you're interested, please take one of those. And I don't, we don't have it up on the screen, but uh, we, we, have, we have a brand new CD that is coming out one month. It's called Unite My Heart. It was recorded in Nashville, Tennessee. It is this group that recorded it, but we had the producer was a fellow named Andy Leftwich. Andy is a first-class fiddle player. And a, a, he's a world-class fiddle player and a first-class Christian. He played for a fellow named Ricky Skaggs for 15 years. Well, he brought his friends in to the recording, which happened to be a total of five Grammy recipients played with us. It is an awesome recording. And so it's coming out in about a month, some of the songs that we sang tonight. And uh, if you're interested in it, it will have put it up on the platforms, but on the various, uh, you know, like Amazon and, and Spotify and so forth. 
but we also will have it come out in CD form. If you're interested, our ladies will be there at a table. You can give us your email, we'll put it in, and we'll send you updates as to when it's coming out. Also, if you're interested, you can actually pre-order it online at our website at stevepettit.com. So um, that's, that's what we're doing, so we, we appreciate your prayers. I wanna, I wanna say a special thank you to your pastor. And uh, I met your pastor when he was a student at Bob Jones University. He was in graduate school. And I have always, always been, I, I guess the best word, I've always been impressed with his sincere desire to live for Christ. I didn't know Hannah as well, but we had a wonderful uh, dinner tonight, and I am so thankful that God has him here. And I know he's, he's a blessing, and I want you to pray for him because God has gifted you with a good man who loves the Lord and knows the Bible and knows how to preach it. Is that all the nice things you wanted me to say, Aaron? Okay, all right. No, I really appreciate it. And I just want you to know this, because of my role as the president of the school, uh, people like this are live in my heart because I'm so thankful for what God did in their life, all right? We're going to sing one more song because you've got to get your kids from Moana, and uh, this is our final song.
Well, if you were blessed and encouraged tonight by the concert and the message, could we just give one big round of applause for the entire credit team? say a special uh, word just to those of you who maybe tonight accepted Christ as your Savior, and maybe you're tonight asking, what now, right? And uh, if you ask Christ to be your Savior, He wants you to get to know Him and, and know more about Him and the, and the joy of serving Him. We'd love to help you with that. Uh, if you're a guest tonight uh, and, and joining us for the first time before you leave, uh, there's a gift bag in the hallway uh, right on the table for you to grab, and we'd love to connect with you. And, uh, and see you again as well. We're so glad to have you here with us. If you were blessed by uh, the concert tonight, uh, we also encourage you, if you'd like to be an encouragement to the team by, by giving uh, to their ministry, uh, you can designate your offering by in, uh, putting it toward uh, Pettit Love Offering, either online or in the cards in the back. And, uh, and of course, be sure to stop by the table there and see the Bible studies. If you want to know more about walking in the Lord and knowing His Word more, be sure to stop by. And of course, before you leave, just express your gratitude to them uh, for, all their, for traveling all this way and uh, be praying for them as they continue um, on, on their journeys back up to South Carolina. We're so glad that you were with us tonight, and we hope you were blessed and encouraged by it. I'm going to close in prayer, and then we'll be dismissed. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for the gift of the gospel. We thank you for your grace, so undeserved and yet so free, uh, that we can receive by faith. Lord, we thank you for the gift of music, uh, just the, the powerful tool that it is to convey deep truths and deeply felt uh, emotions and messages uh, that stick with us. And Lord, I pray that the message that was delivered tonight would, would stick, would uh, be planted deeply in our hearts, and that uh, you would receive the glory for it. We thank you so much for the team and their willingness to come and serve and minister to us. Bless them as they go on their way. We thank you for this time.